This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, I hope you're having a blessed spring. Here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. First, thank you to our excellent patrons on Patreon. You guys help make this show possible by helping to pay for the hosting and our time because there are costs in doing this. And anybody out there, if you want to help support the show, we'd appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash right from the deep. Thanks so much, especially to our March sponsor of the month, Tammy Partlow. Yay, Tammy! She's a speaker at women's <laughs> retreats and a writer. Her first novel, Blood Beneath the Pines, I love that title, yeah. is a suspense set in the Deep South, and she's hard at work on the next book in the series. Yay! Great job, Tammy. Okay, well, we've been sharing wonders, and it's my turn. And <laughs> you guys, as we're recording this, it's getting close to spring, but we have had some snowfall here in Kansas city. And I'll tell you, I, I've missed snow. I grew up in the Chicago area and we got snow regularly. I lived in South Bend for a while. We got snow when I lived in Oklahoma. Not so much, but guys, I love snow, especially as a kid. It was so fun to play in. And have you ever seen a dog playing in the snow? It's just so fun and childlike. But also guys, Snow is a wonder to me because God didn't have to make it. It's, he just didn't. And it's beautiful. Have you ever just looked outside at night and seen the snow falling? It's so bright out, even in the middle of the night, because it's all reflective. And it's silent and still and beautiful. And I feel like snow is just another cool way that God shows us the facets of His beauty. And I love it. And I think it's a wonder. And now, here's Here's the the show. show. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Deep. We're glad that you've chosen to join us. So a couple episodes ago, episode 159, we started talking about knowing who God is and quickly discovered we had way too much material. Surprise, God is very big. (laughs) So this is part two. And, you know, it's important as writers that we have the best understanding of who God is, what his character is, what his attributes are, because the writing life is hard. It's filled with trials. It's filled with temptations. It's important that we know who we're trusting in and we know him well. Especially because he gives us truth to speak. So, of course, we should expect attacks from our enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But you know what? If you're grounded in who God is, in his attributes, in his character, in his truth, you can ward off the attacks. Truth always prevails. God's truth always prevails. It does. So today we'll start with God is sovereign. And what that means is that he rules, okay, always. Not sometimes, not once in a while, but 
always, and he can because he's all powerful. And we talked about that last time when we said God was all powerful, omnipotent. But it's more than just being able to rule. God has an actual plan that is perfect that he's ruling by. If you're familiar with the whole, you know, plotter and pantser, God is not a pantser, okay? He's a plotter and he's got this whole plan. And I feel like for writers, we need to take comfort in that. Nothing, nothing is happening in your life apart from God's will. Nothing's happening in your writing world that is apart from God's will. He's working everything to your good and for his glory. And not only that, but he's our king. He's sovereign. We owe submission to him. I don't think it's an accident that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, you know, because he's sovereign and your kingdom come, your will be done. And another thing I think we need to think about with this is that it's not okay to be complainers and grumblers, okay? Yes, we know in the Psalms, like King David, he he poured out his heart and there was some complaining in there, but that wasn't the rule of his life. He always acknowledged, even though we have these human feelings of of displeasure with what's happening. That's not the rule of our lives. We're always still submitted. And I think we need to be reminded of that. In Habakkuk 2.20, and this is one of the verses I found recently, and I love it. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I think that needs to be our attitude sometimes. Silent submission, not grumbling and complaining. And so that's a way that we can show we're submitted to God's sovereignty. God through Christ is also the man of sorrows. You know, anything that we have experienced on our journey, whether it's our faith journey or our writing journey, any sense of pain or struggle, any sense of betrayal by those that we thought we could trust. And too often we place our trust in men. We place our trust in publishers. We place our trust in other writers. We even place our trust in friends and family. And the sad fact is people are broken and people will always let you down. I've heard writers talking about, and they called themselves Christian publishers. Well, let me just dispel that myth for you today. There is no such thing as a Christian publisher. There are publishers that are peopled by employees who are Christians and doing their best to follow God, but even they will make mistakes and make missteps and it may cost you. You may feel betrayed when a contract is canceled, when a series is stopped after the first book when when you think for sure that they're going to contract your book and suddenly they're like, no, we're going to go a different direction. Mm. Guys, any of that, any of that has has come to God through Christ and all that he suffered. I mean, talk about betrayal by those you trust. And yet he continued to love and he continued to move forward and he continued to sacrifice everything for us. If for some reason you're in a difficult time and you think to yourself, nobody understands what I'm facing. And then and then a, a writer friend or a family member or somebody will come and put their arm around you and say, I understand. 
I just had this happen recently where, you know, I was just frustrated about something and, and somebody wrote me a really sweet email and said, I understand what you're facing. And my immediate human response was, no, you don't. You hmm. don't have this situation and this situation and this situation. And then God just stopped me right in the midst of that. And he said, that person understands portions of it. I understand it all. I know sorrow. I faced sorrow and betrayal. I was cut to the core by my creation turning its back on me. You can trust me with all your sorrow, all your pain, all your sense of betrayal. And I just hit my knees and I thought, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry that I got so wrapped up in my emotions that I lost track of the fact that you are in control and nothing comes to me but by your hand and that you understand, you understand every pain, every sorrow, every sense of betrayal or loss. So we can trust him and be grounded in that truth of his character. Yeah, and everything that comes to us by His hand, we need to understand that's God's loving hand, because right. God is loving. He loves with a perfect love, and He's not going to stop because God is eternal, and love is part of His attributes, and so His love just doesn't stop. And I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, God's love for us is uncaused and undeserved, and that's important because we can't earn it. And we can't ever be less or more like loved because God's love is already perfect. Nothing we can do is going to change that. And God's love is without limit. And then I sit down, I think, what does what does perfect love even look like? That is so hard for us to get a grasp on it. We can't experience that in human relationships, because as Karen said, we're fallen and we're broken and we're flawed and we can't love each other perfectly, but God is the only place where we can experience this perfect love. And how many times do we not turn to Him for it? How many times do we turn to other things, other people for a love that's more than they can give or something that's not they're not meant to give. And I think about as writers too, you know, we want our readers to love us, but yes, we're there to serve them, but we're not there to get love from them. We can't find perfect love. We can't get our acceptance and our validation there because God is the one who gives that to us. God is the one who loves us perfectly. And that's what we need to be thankful for. And I think too, we need to remember to give grace to each other because God gives grace to us and still loves us. He gives us a model for loving others, His love. Not that we can do it like He does, but His love. Sometimes, guys, just take five minutes. Just take five minutes and sit down and dwell in God's love. Just think about it. Meditate on it. Or just let it flow over you. It, it's well worth it to consider and to take time to live in that place. God is also our counselor. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of His saints. 
you know, my husband Don and I have always had a difficult relationship, still do sometimes. So we, we went through 20 years of marital counseling. And when we first started going to counselors, we went through like four of them and all four <laughs> of them quit counseling. Now, they all said it didn't have anything to do with us, but you know, you never can be quite sure. <laughs> But then God led us to a man who was a true counselor. He was a godly counselor. And we learned that real counselors, counselors who are doing what they're doing because God has led them to it, and God is our counselor, they do more than just listen and give advice. They they don't just sit there and, and you know, all these things we see on TV where, where the way that counselors are depicted, they're like, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> and how does that make you feel? That's not what God does. God enters into whatever we are experiencing, whether it's a good thing, whether it's a hard thing, whether it's confusion, whether it's not knowing what the next step is, we can take it all to our counselor, to our God, and just pour our hearts out to him and ask him to grant us guidance. And he doesn't just give advice. He shows us the way we should go. He listens not just to our words, but to our hearts and to our spirits. He helps us to understand ourselves and others. He gives us insight and revelation so that we can understand situations better. He helps us to see our own weaknesses and to deal with them if we will submit them to him and place them on his altar. I I had a terrible time and still do at times dealing with pride. I, I'm an able person in, in many ways. I've been able to do a lot of things without a whole lot of effort to do it. And and I let myself believe in my own press for a while. And and then I was just flattened by something that I couldn't deal with. And, and I realized, you know what, I have nothing to be proud about. The only thing, like Paul says, that I can take pride in is Christ and Him crucified. Nothing else. I, I, can, I can take pride in the fact that I trusted God (laughs) and told him, I can't. So God helps us see our weaknesses and to deal with them. And he's the one true catalyst for change within us as our counselor, as our holy guide and the one who grants us holy revelation. He's the catalyst within us that will change us into a better reflection of Christ in the world, in our writing, in our relationships, in everything that we say and do. And if you're not reflecting him and what you're writing, seriously, what's the point? Don't Mm. go through the pain. But if you want to do it and you want to reflect him in the stories and the nonfiction books that you're sharing, then recognize who he is to you as your counselor. Right. And as your counselor, think of him also as, you know, your guide on your writing journey. Sometimes we get so caught up in, gee, what should I do? And we talk to everybody and we read books about writing and we read blogs and we do this and we do that and we ask all these things and we forget to ask God, you know. So be sure that you're looking to God for His counsel in what you do each day and every step you take on your writing journey. So the next attribute we want to talk about is that God is just. His judgments also are perfect. (laughs) And it says in Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. I think that understanding the justice of God helps us to better appreciate his great mercy. 
we cannot forget that what we deserve in this world is death. We are not perfect people. We are sinful people. But what God gave us is not what we deserve. He gave us a Savior, Jesus, to pay the penalty, to pay for our willful defiance, our inability to submit. And then Jesus satisfied the just wrath of God. And for me, I think about, as writers, we need to remember what we deserve and how we got mercy instead. And I think this helps our attitude every day to be one of gratitude and humility. We need that as writers. We need to practice mercy toward each other. I'm not saying that you should be a doormat, but we need to practice mercy. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I think, as Karen was talking earlier about the publishing industry. I mean, guys, it's not fair, okay? Publishing is not fair. So we need to avoid seeking our own vengeance, okay? That's something for God to deal with because God is just. All we need to do is approach God with complete trust as our just vindicator and the one who's in control. God is also our refiner. I love this this idea of him as our refiner. Um, and you've all heard the scripture about, he tells us that he will test us and refine us like silver, where where it gets melted and the impurities rise to the surface. And, and the person who's doing the refining scoops that off and just keeps going through that process. I think too of a sculptor who works on a piece of granite and, and inside that piece of granite is this beautiful creation, but he has to chip away at everything that is not the refined piece. Being refined is, is never easy. It's, it's painful. My husband and I, as this is being recorded, have been preparing our home to sell. And with everything that we, we do, I think to myself, I just want to put it on the market the way it is. Just take yeah. it as is. I don't, don't want to go through all this. <laughs> Um, and, and we tend to be like that in our faith. I just want to write my books. I just want to do the speaking. I just want to, why can't people just buy it the way it is? And, and yet there is refinement that has to take place in order to lead us toward excellence in what we're doing for God. And that painful process of being refined, of being thrown into the fire and, and burned with all the dross coming off, of having the chisel set to those hard parts of us that are hardened against God. None of that is fun, but God is a master refiner and a master sculptor. And what you will become is a masterpiece that will reflect him. We're told in scripture that we are God's children now. In 1 John 3, 2, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Mm -hmm. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And we will be the reflection that he has been making us into for him. And again, to stand beside him and glorify him. Our refinement is not about us being better and perfect. Our refinement is about us being more obedient, more submitted, and glorifying God for who he is. And to let the world see us glorifying him, raising our hands to him, and letting him shine through us. 
I like that metaphor, too, of the sculpture. I, I don't know if any of you have ever seen Michelangelo's sculpture mm. called David, but can you just, like, picture this sculpture of this man, you know, like, it's David, like, halfway done, you know? And people will be, like, walking by going, that, that, I don't have a lot of faith there, Michelangelo. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look too good right now. David's kind of ugly. <laughs> right. It is not a pretty process. And yet the end result. Now, maybe we're not going to see that end result until heaven. And maybe it's not going to be 100% pretty along the way. But Karen is right. It's all about patience. It's all about being willing to go through that process. I love that. Uh, the next thing is that God is relational. Uh, you know, I, you think about the Trinity, okay? That's probably always going to be a mystery to me, but it also makes me think that there is a perfect fellowship in this three-in-one, you know, perfect fellowship among God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that tells me that God is relational. And then there's the fact that God says, you know, he's going to make man in his own image to walk with him in the cool of the garden. Okay, that's relationship right there. That's all about relation. Now, God doesn't need people because he's self-sufficient. He's perfect without us. But, and, and we can't make him better. We can't complete him by like knowing him or loving him or anything. But we, we become better people for our relationship with him. And I think as writers and people, sometimes we forget just how much God desires to have relationship with us. Just because he doesn't need us doesn't mean he doesn't want us, doesn't mean he doesn't desire that relationship with us and enjoy that relationship with us. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 31.3, and it says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's relational. Um, it goes on, therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. And there's even more relational language in Hosea 2, 19 and 20. And this is the New King James Version, but I like the way it says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will be trust you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Mm. That's all about relationship. <laughs> it's all about, in the writing journey, we've said this so often, don't forget the writing journey is all about relationship with God. It's the carrying out of life, of mission in God's presence with Him. Right. And and in that same spirit, God is the giver of delight. I mean, all you have to do is look at the world that he created. And, and this isn't even the perfect world that he first created. This is a broken world that, that we've allowed sin and corruption to come in and bring decay. And yet, even as we look at this broken world, there is so much delight, mm -hmm. so much beauty. Even just the flowers are starting to bloom here at spring as we're recording this. And and my mini irises have just come up. And my daffodils and John are starting to open. They were buds yesterday. Today, they're flowers. Mm. How does that happen? <laughs> just, you know, I keep looking at all of this around us, all of the beauty in the birds, in nature, all of the beauty in, in the people that we know and that we see. And I'm not talking about what's on the outside. I'm talking about on the inside, the beauty of that spirit submitted to God, the beauty of those who step out 
in courageous movements to spread God's gospel. Um, Again, as this is being recorded, Russia is invading the Ukraine. And I just saw a picture of a street overflowing with Ukrainians who have stepped into the street and are praising and worshiping God and calling on him for protection as the Russian army is coming against him. That kind of beauty, friends, comes from the spirit of God that comes in and washes over us and helps us to be brave no matter what's taking place. God delights in us and over us. He gives us delight, little ones, big ones. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. The creator of the world is rejoicing over you today in this moment. And as writers, God has given us this incredible invitation into creation When we craft our books, his hands rest on ours. His words flow through us. Whatever we're writing comes to life because of him and his love, not just for us, but for those who will read our words. God is the giver of delight, and you can come to him and be praising him and thanking him for that attribute. Amen. So, there are so many things for us to know about God. There are so many pieces and parts and intricacies of who God is that our human minds can't even begin to understand. And yet he comes to us with patience and with great love and opens our eyes at the perfect time to see whatever we need to see of him and to embrace the things that he wants us to embrace of him. Not because we're perfect, not because we're worth it, but because he loves regardless of all of that. God is so big, we are so small, and yet everything that he is, is there for us to draw us into relationship with him, to draw us into becoming a better reflection of him. Friends, God God delights over you. God loves you. God brings you justice. God will guide you. God is perfect. God is omnipresent. God is Just stop for a moment and think about that. God is, and he's for you. Let's rejoice in that and savor that today as we think about the work that we are doing as he has called us to do it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.